With opportunity comes responsibility. We talked about that at church a yep. couple weeks ago. Actually, with, just the, yeah, yep. yep. With uh, the minor prophet Amos. Amos. And so as we get, you'll get opportunity today, but with that opportunity comes more responsibility. And Paul gets into that today, that we've all had a lot of opportunity. And now we have responsibility for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. And we'll jump right into this. Romans chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1. You may think you can condemn such people, but you're just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say that they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you who judge others do these very same things. In other words, he's saying, if you can, if you can criticize somebody else, that means you know what's right and what's wrong, and that means by you criticizing somebody else or judging somebody else that you're placing judgment on yourself because you're acknowledging you know, you know that you're doing the wrong thing when you do the wrong thing. And so interesting how the argument here, but it is very true. We know that God, verse 2, and we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, those are the things that he listed off in chapter 1 that we went through yesterday. Since you judge others for these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? In other words, just the fact that he hasn't judged you up until now, that this he's, he's being patient with you because he wants you to turn back to him. Verse 5, but because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For, yeah, you know, I, I heard a pastor, and it did stick with me one time. He said, you're always storing something up. You're either storing up God's judgment or you're storing up God's reward. Hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it just like boils down to being that simple. Today, you're going to store one of the two up. What are we putting away? Yeah. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers, which can be confusing to read this because then it sounds like if we do good, then we get eternal life. But this is still based on what, because we're incapable of doing good without Jesus. It's Jesus that transforms our heart, that enables us to be able to do what is right. Verse 8, but he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. In other words, he's saying it's not about being a Jew or a Gentile. It's really about your righteousness, which of course our righteousness comes from Jesus. Verse 12, when the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law, and the Jews who do have God's law will be judged by that law when they fail to obey it. So they've had the opportunity for God's word, and now they have the responsibility to it. It's the same with us. We have scripture, reading scripture right now, and we have opportunity to be guided by God. Now we have responsibility because of that. Yeah, and he's going to say in just a couple more verses that even though the Jews had the written word, we, Gentiles, even if they did not have the written word, they they have the principles of God written on their hearts, and they demonstrate that by simply having a conscience. That's what their conscience is. Verse 13, for merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know this law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts, for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. 
You want to take over? You who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with him. You know what he wants. You know what is right, because you have been taught his law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God, for you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well, then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. Hmm. What does that mean? Well, it's a little bit like uh, the famous quote by, uh, I forget the, uh, the person uh, who was in power in India. Gandhi? Uh, Gandhi, when he said that he would be a Christian if it wasn't for Christians. And that's what that's Paul's argument here that Gentiles are staying away from the gospel because of the because of the way you're practicing hmm. your faith or your your lack the of hypocrisy. Practice. The hypocrisy is exactly right. And the, so they're they're creating a greater paganism by not living out their profession. Hmm. Verse twenty five: The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law but don't obey it. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through this ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, hmm. not from people. I love that last line. Yeah. That you know, since last time we read this, I've, I've been just kind of marinating in that verse of like a person with a changed heart. So a sign that your heart has been changed is that you seek praise from God, and not from people. Yeah, because you're focused on Him and not on yourself, not wanting the the other the attention that you get from the other credit. people. Yes, instead you're focused on God, but that just shows the transformation of heart that's taking place. Yeah. All right, so we're going to get right. into Psalm 30. Yep, Psalm chapter 30 is the corresponding chapter uh, for today. And, uh, Dad, do you, did you pick out Yeah, let's look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. In other words, you know, we're going to go through trouble in this life. And Jesus said so. He said, In this life you will have trouble. There's going to be times of mourning, but he is the one that turns that mourning into joy, into dancing. Yeah. You've taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me, clothed me with joy. It's, it's almost like... It was. It, it's. It's almost like a person is dressed for a funeral, and then if they get a glimpse of that person in heaven, or they themselves, you, know, you can imagine that they themselves die and go to heaven while they're at the funeral, they go from these mourning clothes of losing a loss of you know the loved one to not just seeing that loved one again, but being in heaven and with God in person. That's what David is talking about. That he yeah. gives us the ultimate change. And in the uh, verse twelve, mm-hmm. I just want to add this. It says. Um, I might sing praises to you. So yeah. he does this, and then we praise him for it. Yeah, and I, I have a hard time understanding how is that some can stand in church and not sing. Yeah, There's something missing. There's, that, there's really something it's missing. Dangerous. I would even say today, you know, once you turn off this podcast, I hope that you read through the Psalms, and I hope that you pray. But I would even say, you, especially if you're on a commute, turn on some worship music mm-hmm. and just practice. Maybe practice for corporate worship. You know, yeah. people practice for games, but worship 
corporate worship is far more important than some sort of silly game being played. Yeah, that's good. But practice for that corporate worship this weekend by just turning on some worship music, getting your heart right, but also singing some praises to yeah. God before you get into your day. Hey, listen, it was great being with you again today, and we look forward, forward to being with you tomorrow. In the meantime, live for Jesus, live for God, worship and honor Him in every way. Have a good day. And see you tomorrow.